0: Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Isn't it wonderful to be the church? It's wonderful to be able to gather every Sunday like this and thank God for health and safety in these challenging days. As a church family, our hearts have been uh, with Cheryl Davis, whose dad went to be with the Lord on Christmas Day, of all things. And at 4 o'clock today in this room, we're going to be having a celebration of life for her dad, Ed Newman. So uh, keep that in mind if you'd like to be here uh, with Cheryl and the family. Praise the Lord. Well, the church is the hope of the world. I hope you believe that. How many of you believe that? That the church, amen, that the church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Well, this morning we're going to find out why we can say that with absolute certainty. Uh, Join me, please, in your Bibles in Acts chapter 2. In your journals, it's page 8, Acts chapter 2, and it begins with an amazing account. Uh, What we're going to look at this morning... um, Oh, uh, we, I, I trust through our time together we will gain a greater appreciation than ever before at the significance of what t- took place that's accounted for here in Acts chapter two. Verse one, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now that might seem like an innocuous gathering but let me assure you, it was anything but. On the outside, it would have looked like maybe nothing. A big deal. Um, What was actually happening was it was a um, kind of a a mid-sized prayer meeting. It was a gathering of 120, about 120. There may have been 115, there may have been 125, but in that ballpark, 120 there were men and women, there were young and old, and they were gathered there. We learn all that in chapter 1. We also know what place it is. In Acts chapter 1, verse 13, it says, they went upstairs to the upper room. Now the fact that there is a definite article, not an indefinite article, the indefinite article, of course, of course, would be an upper room because there were a 1,000 upper rooms in Jerusalem. The, the upper room was the, was the open-air, flat-top roof of a uh, Mediterranean structure. It was the only gathering place large enough for a group to meet. That was an upper room. But it doesn't say an upper room. Uh, it says in Acts one thirteen, the upper room. So this is the same upper room where Jesus appeared at least twice to his disciples after the resurrection, when he said to them, peace be with you. And he told Thomas, who wasn't there the first time, but was the second time, "Uh, go ahead and and you can even touch my wound. You know, some of us, after surgery, like showing our wounds. Um, I hate that. As a pastor, I, 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 It's one of the things I hate about being a pastor. It's like, oh, please, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't need to see your, your scar, your battle scars. <laughs> oh, I could tell you stories of Tweety Birds that started circling my head when, when, when I, I went to an ICU, this was back when uh, open-heart surgeries were, were new. Yeah. Um. I'll never forget, this guy's laying there with tubes coming out everywhere, and he says, oh, you want to see this? And he takes his sheet and pulls it, but it's like, oh, my word, oh, <laughs> I literally had everything to do to, to grab the, the, the bottle that was standing there and to make my way out into the hallway and I sat down and put my head between my legs. I was like ready to pass out. Well, well Jesus here uh, shows his wounds to, to Thomas. I'm kind of amazed, but there was a reason to this one. This wasn't just a, a, the big deal he went through. This was, it's really you. This is really your physical body. And, and it was. It's the same upper room. It's the same upper room, most likely, where the disciples had the Passover meal before the crucifixion, the night when Jesus was betrayed, where he served communion and, and washed their feet. It's, this, it's the upper room. There was, they only had one "the upper room. Yeah. So here they are again now, 10 days later, from Acts 1:13, they're still there in the same place. This is the place. But there's something about this gathering that we need to underscore. No, look at what it says. It says they were all together. Now, uh, trust me, I'm not making something out of nothing. Uh, they were all together may sound like nothing. Well, oh, big deal. They were all together. I mean, we're all together. Oh, no, they're the, all together. is not like this all together. For one thing, they were not social distancing. Hallelujah. <laughs> there's no way, there was no way there was a structure where they could fit 120 people uh, in a large space. Um, if anything, the, the, the largest you could imagine uh, of the space would be maybe half the size of this platform, maybe. There were no buildings any bigger than that. So imagine 120 people, uh, give or take, in that size space. But, but still, that doesn't say it, because when it says they were all together, The the, the Greek word for this, and you might want to write it down in the margin of your Bible there on page eight, is the two words, it's it's one word in the Greek, but it's a compound word. It's homo, H-O-M-O, thumadon, T-H-U-M, A-D-O-M, thumadon, ends, ends with an N, sorry. Thumadon, homo, thumadon. Now, thumadon means flow it can refer to a river flowing it can refer I mean in our day it would refer to the flow of electricity but it's it means flow it also um, it could mean passion energy but flow and one homo flow there was one flow in the whole room this means that everyone in the room was on the same wavelength they had the same agenda they had the same mindset, they had the same reason for being there, they were fully united in purpose. Yes. And what was that purpose? Uh, this, it, it, with, you see, without this, what's about to happen wouldn't have happened. The, the purpose was the presence. Amen. Not presence that ends ENTS. But presence that ends, E-N-C-E. You see, too many of our prayer meetings want presence that ends in a T-S. We pray for stuff. Too many of our prayer lives, we're praying for stuff. Stuff's fine. Once you have the presence, But until you have the presence, the conspicuous, tangible, manifested, unmistakable, activating, showing off presence of God, what else matters? They were there for one reason the presence. And now watch what happens. So here they are miraculously in this upper room space, jammed together, all in the same flow of prayer, worship, one purpose, we want the presence. Now watch what happens. Verse four. These nine words in my Bible are in neon lights. At least every time I read it I see him in the and they were all filled with the holy spirit nine words and they were all filled with the holy spirit what happened what they wanted they got what they asked for they received the promise of the presence was fulfilled with the presence. Yeah, the single mark of the church that sets it apart from every other organization on earth is one word presence. Presence. No presence, no church. No church. Now some of you are sitting there, you're all kind people and I don't mean this adversarially, but in your mind you're arguing with me. You're saying, "But pastor, God's presence is everywhere." No, no, you're wrong. His omnipresence is everywhere. That's not the presence I'm talking about. So don't, get over it. Yeah. We're not talking about the everywhere presence of God. Yes, the everywhere presence is everywhere. <laughs> of course it is. That's not the church. The everywhere presence does not distinguish the church from the mosque uh, or the Hindu temple or any other religious gathering or any, the strip club for that matter. The omnipresence is there. What identifies and sets apart the singular mark of the church that distinguishes it from every other organization on earth and through history is the presence. It's the church. The tangible, Perceived, obvious, conspicuous, unavoidable presence of God. That's what, that's what they wanted, and that's what they got. They got the presence. Now, there's two reasons they got the presence, and they're both in chapter one. They got the presence logically, what we might say horizontally, relationally, tangibly, because they took a step. In my mind, it's the most, it's the second most significant step in human history. They took a step from the streets of Jerusalem to the upper room. Now let me tell you why that's so significant. Notice here in the text. Those on the street were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Those in Calcutta were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Those in Rome were not filled with the Holy Spirit. The only people on earth that received the fullness of the Holy Spirit were in Jerusalem, were in the upper room, were asking for one thing. Presence. We want presents. Well, they, that's all they asked for. It's the only thing they wanted. That's what they got. With, unless they had gone asking, wanting, believing for one thing, there would be no book of Acts. It's the first step. Humanly, it is the the singular step that changed history. They went from the streets to the upper room. And I've gotta just say, Jesus today is here inviting you to take that same step. To prioritize in your heart, in your orientation, in your life, to prioritize the presence. Tell him, I can't live without the presence. I don't want to go forward without the presence. You won't be the first. I believe that what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today is take this step. Prioritize my presence. Make my presence the heart of what you do when you gather together as believers. Now, I said there were two steps in chapter one. The second step that makes chapter two possible, okay, was not taken by the disciples, it was taken by Jesus. Jesus stepped from earth to heaven. Acts chapter one, verse nine. Right after Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses uh, here and and everywhere. Right in front of their eyes, Jesus ascends into heaven. He went from earth to heaven. Without that step, None of the rest of, of Acts would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the margin of your Bible, next to Acts two, four, again, it's this is page eight in your in uh, in your uh, journal. You can write this in the margin. John sixteen verse seven. Jesus said here, and listen to the words carefully. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is on the other side of the resurrection. This is on the other side of the um, crucifixion. This is in the upper room, at least somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said to his disciples, and when I go... I will send him to you. He he said, I'm about to send the Holy Spirit, but the only place in the world that I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit is to you. If you're looking it up, John 16, verse seven, circle the word you, It is strategic. Who's the you? The you is the church. The you is the followers of Jesus Christ. Because when I send him to you, my presence will set you apart. And then the next verse says, and he will convict the world of righteousness and sin and judgment. How many of you would like to see God convict our nation and bring our nation to its knees over righteousness and sin and judgment? How many of you would like to see that happen? Well, well, uh, come with me here. Look at what it says. It doesn't say, I will send the Holy Spirit to the, to the, to the unbelievers... I'm not going to send the Holy Spirit to Washington, D.C. I'm not going to send the the Holy Spirit uh, to the House or the Senate or to the Oval Office. I'll send the Holy Spirit where? To you, you. church. And when he comes to you, through you, he will convict the world around you of righteousness and sin and judgment. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, what we see happening in our nation is a call for the church to be the church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, it, okay. The number one identifying mark that sets the church apart, one word, Presence. Watch this. The number one mark of the church receiving the presence. One word. Activation. Activation. Watch what happens. We see activation all over the place but to keep it as simple as we can to move through this. Verse two, their ears were immediately activated. It says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the rushing mighty wind that filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, there may have been a wind, but it doesn't say there was a wind. What it says is there was a sound like a wind, which means their ears were activated to hear the spirit. The Holy Spirit is here, but, but we don't hear it. Yeah. But there, their ears were activated to hear what sounded like a rushing wind. But that's not all, that's only the beginning. Ears, ears are often the first to be activated. Ears are the last to go. When a person's dying, they can still hear things, though they can't move their hand or mouth or anything. Their ears are still working. It's the first to be activated and often the last to go. It's what happened here. But their eyes were activated, verse three, and divided tongues of fire appeared. You see, we, think, we read verse three and we think, well, they were speaking because the word tongues appears, but, but it, we're not talking about speaking yet. It wasn't uh, yet that's gonna happen, but the tongues of fire appeared. Yes. So visually. Their eyes were activated to see the Holy Spirit moving in the room. And then verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there's at least 25 miracles in that one verse. Uh, Again, for simplicity's sake, uh, let, let me boil it down as well as I can. Holy Spirit, help the boy. They all began speaking. This is an amazing moment. First of all, somehow their their tongues, their mouths are activated to speak words they've never spoken before. In a known language they've never learned before. Unknown to them. But that's only the beginning. Now imagine, everyone, all 120, all in loud, boisterous voices, crying out in unknown languages all at the same time. Now think about this. In a a close proximity, in a space no more than half the size of this platform, 120 people all speaking in other languages. And on the street, they don't hear a roar of a jet engine. They don't hear this, what's going on? No, on the street, I think this was even a greater miracle than giving those in the room the ability to speak in other languages. Those on the street, could make out the specific language that they spoke as their heart language, and they could all hear it simultaneously. It's a total miracle. Hey, I think the miracle on the street exceeded the miracle in the upper room when it comes to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear what? Do, do you follow me? Oh, yeah. This this is one of the overlooked miracles. I've never heard anybody explain that before, yeah. or even shine the light on it for a moment. But they all simultaneously, instead of hearing this, this, this boisterous roar coming, like, oh, what is that? Yeah. Boy, they're worked up over something. It was, it was, it was as if each one was speaking in a, into a microphone, and they all had their own earbuds on, and they could hear per, in perfect language exactly what they were saying. Yeah. And yet, all were, were in at least 50 different languages. Yeah. This is incredible. Now... I'm about to introduce you to one of the greatest misconceptions about this passage. Everyone I've ever heard preach this misses the point. And the the key is, who were they speaking to? I guarantee you, they were not speaking primarily to the people on the street. Yeah. I promise you. Yeah. And I'm gonna prove it to you. They, okay, let me just argue that for just a second. It'll all snap in in a moment. But I've gotta just say, how stupid it is to think after, after the beginning of time, all this time, and now God is there? and they're going to leave the presence and start telling other people about it that makes no sense none whatsoever you know it, it would be like god comes in all of his glory and power and for the first time after 10 days of praying this is what you're praying for and now it comes and you're going to take a selfie of yourself in the presence it's, it's so stupid as if I've got to tweet this or or send it to others or, oh, no, they're 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 taken and they're freed and they begin in freedom to worship the presence. Yeah. They're declaring to the presence. Yeah. Yes, the glories of the presence. Yes, they are Very true. Now the clinching argument is in verse 11. It says in verse 11, and this is what the outsiders tell us. They help us get an insight here that's that's vital. We hear them declaring, notice they're not preaching, they're declaring. They are using their voices, but they're not speaking primarily to the people, they're speaking to God. They're speaking it back to the presence. Listen, they're declaring, here's the word, It's the only place in the Bible you'll find this exact word. It's the mighty works of God. It's it's hard for any translator to know how to translate when it's the only time it appears in in, in known literature. The best scholars can do in understanding what does the mighty works mean, here's what it means. It, It means words used to describe previously unseen things. The The lofty, the celestial, the heavenly things of God is what we hear being declared right now. They were not trying to tell others what they're, they were speaking it right back to the presence. Oh, oh God, look at your presence. Oh, you're full of glory, you're full of majesty. They were using words, but their own words wouldn't do. And so God gave them languages they never learned before. And not only were they declaring perfectly the glories of God they were witnessing, but they were actually speaking in a previously unlearned language. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were praising God. They were worshiping God. And simultaneously... Seamlessly, not only were they worshiping, they were witnessing. Yes. Not only were they proclaiming, they were preaching. Yes. Secondarily, yes. hallelujah! Yeah. No, don't miss this element of God encountering prayer. Don't miss this critical element of why the church is the church. Don't miss this reason why we take time as part of our worship on Sunday to exalt Christ in Christ encountering worship because we are above all ministering to his presence. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. But watch what happens. The results here are phenomenal. And let me introduce this by saying what we witness in Acts chapter 2 is not only the essence of the church presence. It's not only the single element that describes above all others the response of God's people to the presence activation. But what we find here in Acts chapter 2 It's a reversal of the Tower of Babel because in in the description there in the book of Genesis, they had a unity of purpose that God said they will be able to do anything they want because of their unity. Nothing will be outside their scope. But the problem was their unity was in complete rebellion against God. Rather than making a name for God, they wanted to make a name for themselves. And so God flipped their ability to be united and divided them over language. Now, what do we find here in Acts chapter 2? A complete reversal. Yes. Now, rather than being united at Babel in rebellion against God, they are united on mission with God. Rather than wanting to throw off the rule of God, they want to come under the rule of God. Rather than running away from the presence, they want the presence. And they want it more than anything in life. And what does God give them? The presence. And he reverses the curse of Babel and gives them now the ability as one people who only knew one language to now instantaneously be able to declare in many languages the glory of God. It's a complete miracle. I frankly wish I could preach for three hours this morning because there's way more here. We're only scratching the surface. But there's two steps that precede this. The step of the church into the upper room, and the step of Jesus from earth to heaven. And I wanna give you one more scripture to put alongside Acts 2, 4. If you're following in your journal, um, please turn with me, it's page 16. It's verses 32 and 33. Now, verse 32 talks about the resurrection, but verse 33 talks about the ascension. Verse 32, this Jesus, God raised up, that's the resurrection, and of this we are all witnesses. But now verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand, this is the ascension. Watch what happens when Jesus stepped from earth to heaven. He received, it says, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. The significance of the step the disciples took into the upper room was because now in the upper room, they are in. The only place on earth God gives his presence consistently. But when Jesus steps back into heaven, what made it possible for Jesus to give his presence to those in their upper room in Jerusalem was the fact that when he got back to heaven, The Father gave him the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to the church. Hallelujah. This is a new day. Because Jesus is now back. He's not only back, for the first time he's got a body. He was there, but he didn't have a body before. And now he has, not only has a body, but he has the Holy Spirit to pour out on the church and the church is prepared and they receive. Yeah. <laughs> and not only did they become witnesses, look at the scope of their witness. Verses nine through 11. And these, the, 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 these people are telling, this, this is not imaginary. They're talking for themselves. They describe themselves as Parthians, that's east northeast from Jerusalem, Medes, that's directly northeast, Elamites, that's directly east, residents of Mesopotamia, that's north northeast, Judea and Cappadocia, that's directly north, Pontus and Asia uh, Phrygia, that's north northwest, Pamphylia, that's west northwest, Egypt, that's directly south. Parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, that's south-southwest. Visitors from Rome and Cretans, that's directly west. And Arabians, that's directly east. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Of all things, they're all there. And they're all, before we're done, they'll be baptized. We're going to come back to this next week. I need to bring it down to one final point. We've established that the mark of the church that sets it apart from any other organization on earth is one word, presence. The church of Jesus Christ on earth is the hope of the world for one reason. It's the presence. It's the only institution on earth, the only organization, the only relational connection of people on earth where God promises to tangibly manifest his presence consistently is the church. The second thing we've established is that the primary way that the presence is indicated among the people of God when they gather in the presence is activation. Activation. Now, with that, we've seen various activations, but with that and listen please carefully. The primary activation in the presence is the activation Of our receptors. Your ability, my ability to receive from His presence. That's the primary activation. Everything else flows out of that. Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely give. Unless we receive, we've got nothing to give. So we have to receive. Everything flows out of receiving. The whole key of prayer is not praying. The whole key of prayer is receiving. The last word Jesus said, recorded in the book of Acts, Acts 1 8, and you will receive power. No receiving, no presence. Obviously, no presence, no activation. Brothers and sisters, you and I were born with broken receptors. Receptors are there. There's potential, but they're broken. The first gift of God is the ability to receive. It's the first gift. No receiving. We have nothing, we're lost. God loves to activate our receptors. Amen. In the upper room, Jesus said to his disciples, "Record in, in John chapter 20, receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. It all flows there. Yes. I want to give you a prayer. I'd encourage you to write it down. Write it in your journal. It's a little prayer. Father, activate my receptors in Jesus' name. Activate my receptors. Enlarge my capacity to receive. Let me me explain this. You know inside of you, you have a need to be loved. Some of us have damaged love receptors. You can go to every counselor and spend all your money and all your time receiving counseling, but unless your love love receptors are healed, you're going to go without. God's Spirit pours the love of God out, but he wants to heal your ability to receive love. And and until those are received, we've got nothing. God wants to give you faith. But uh, faith comes by hearing. You've got to receive it. There needs to be an activation. Many of our prayer lives have been encrusted with unbelief. We prayed a prayer, God didn't answer, and we've been mad. (laughs) And this this discouragement and this unbelief harbors and sits right there on top of our prayer life. I guarantee you that is sitting on top of your receptors. It's impediment. That God wants to remove. Hallelujah. May this house be a receiving house. May our every gathering we receive. May every time that we spend in God's word be a time of receiving. May every time we pray, may our prayer times move from prayer times to receiving times. And I want to give you one simple thing to do. When you pray, open your hands. When I I started praying as a kid, I was told to do this. Stupid! Or if you really want to be pious, this one. In fact, the emoji for prayer is this. I never use that emoji. There's another emoji, it's this. Don't, Don't send this emoji, send this. Open your hands. What person wanting to receive walks around like this? I mean, what in the world? I don't know, if you, if you want to beat something off, maybe do this. Oh, but this is so pious. Forget you're pious. We don't need pious. Pious won't get you anywhere. Your pious is filthy rags. That's what your pious is. It even sounds nasty, pious. It almost smells bad. It's like it's got a stench to it. Our pious become a stench in our nostrils that we start getting real. And you open your hands, why? Because we got nothing to offer. We want to receive. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, activate receiving in Jesus' name. Give us a breakthrough of receiving in Jesus' name. A breakthrough of receiving in Jesus' name. And above all else, that we would receive your presence, your conspicuous, manifest, unavoidable, undeniable presence of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We, we sang the song before the message. It would be a good one for us to sing right now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. And then let, let me just say I, I don't mean to insult anyone, but I gotta tell you, when when before I encountered the, the presence, I was born again. I believed in God. I could argue back and forth to defend Jesus and to defend the Bible. But before I encountered the presence, I used to think people that would wave their hand during worship or raise their hands or this were stupid. It's like, let me tell you. If there's no presence, this is stupid. This is stupid. Our dear brother that loves to cut it loose and run around, if there was no presence, that would be stupid. But there's presence. His presence is here. His presence is here. Let's pick it up with that with, with that loop. Um, help us become more aware of your presence. Hallelujah.